<clears throat> hey, before we uh, dive into what we're going to do today, I want to just give you a preview of what's ahead, okay? Um, we are wrapping up a sermon series today, and so in the coming weeks, in November, we're going to do some special things, okay? We've got a special message next week, just in time for the midterm elections. Oh, how about that? Special message next week. Uh, we're really going to uh, kick up the dust next week. The week after that, we're going to spend a week uh, talking about our, our missions focus here as a church. And then the week after that, we're talking about Thanksgiving, and then Thanksgiving is here, and then Advent. Yeah, wow. Crazy, huh? So uh, that's, that's what's uh, coming ahead and so just want you to know that. And so what we're going to do today is something special. We're going to tie a bow on this series that we've been in, this being week 10, talking about dwelling together. Uh, we've been talking about dwelling together and being a, a church of genuine community. And so we're going to do something fun this week. I've asked Jay Whelan to join me up here this morning. Go ahead and come on up, Jay. Um, Jay is our director of children's ministry, and this fall... We uh, added to Jay's responsibility as also our director of groups. So he's going to talk with us. We're going to ask Jay some questions about our community groups uh, here at Centennial Church and really kind of get where the rubber meets the road and uh, encourage those of you that have not gotten into community here at Centennial um, to onboard with us, to, to visit a group, to get involved uh, in, in the life of the community here at Centennial Church. Um, so we'll be uh, talking about some questions. We're going to give you a chance to throw questions at us here in just a few minutes. But first of all, what I'd like us to do is stand up and read some scripture together as a review of where we've been and this high calling that God has for us uh, as a community and uh, as a people who are a family. So go ahead and stand with us. And what we're going to do, we're going we're gonna to put uh, some of the scriptures that we've looked at through this series, and we're just going to um, kind of read responsively. So I'll read the verses that are just uh, in normal text, and then Jay will lead you guys, the entire congregation, in reading the underlined uh, passages, okay? So follow along with me. When we get to underlined parts, uh, join Jay in reciting the scripture with us here. So we begin here. Um, with the words of Jesus. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that, the that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, this, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But, as it is, God arranged the members in the body. Each one of them as he chose. 
all were a single number, where would the body be? As is, there are many parts, yet one body. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has, a, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is written. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. Amen. You can be seated. Hey, that, uh, as you look at the totality of those verses, it's a, uh, it's a high bar, isn't it? Uh, it's not just donuts and uh, chit-chat in the lobby, but there is really a, a high level of commitment and a high bar for what God desires of uh, his church, of the local churches. And so we want to uh, talk specifically this morning about really the primary vehicle that we've designed at Centennial Church to, to be that place of community, and that being our community groups. And Jay, as the as the director of those is going to uh, answer some of our questions, your questions, and we want to give you a chance to text us questions, okay? Aren't we, um, you know, cutting edge here? So just text to this question, or to that, that phone number, and we will get your questions up here and talk about them as we, uh, as we go here. So, Jay, um, just to kick us off, would you... Um, would you just kind of give us a, an overview of community groups and why, first of all, I mean, the, right out of the gate, just why in the world um, should we be involved in community groups? Why community groups? Yeah, absolutely. Good morning, church. Um, thank you. Um, there's this quote that stuck with me uh, since coming on as community groups director, and that's uh, from the Irish poet John O'Donohue. And he said this, he said, change is the great dream of the human heart. 
uh, this is commentary on it, but we can't simply say, I want to change, and then we change. We have kind of this fear of missing out. I know that probably makes me like not very cool sounding because it's all right, FOMO is already out of the lexicon. But we do, we have like that little, that little fear, that little tweak when we see something on Instagram or when we're talking to friends that maybe we weren't a part of something. And if we explore that, if we go like just a little bit deeper, what we see is that that fear is kind of rooted in this idea of, man, am I known? Does anybody know me or my needs or what I'm struggling with, what I'm doing well in and encouraging? And that fear looks different for everybody. For the non-Christian, you know, if you're someone who's not accepted Jesus in this room this morning, you might be wrestling with this idea of like, you know, there is no God. There is no, there is no s silly thing that could know me intimately and deeply. And so I've just got to work really hard or I've got to move forward um, to build relationships that are built on something so that somebody might know me and maybe that'll give me some purpose. And for you Christians in the room, and I put myself in that, we sometimes just forget. We forget that the creator of the universe knows you intimately and deeply. And so we, why do we have community groups? We have community groups because we want to be formed into the image of Jesus. We think of that as like a solo pursuit a lot of times. But we need to be around people who have put their trust in their life in Jesus, who are also being molded into a person. And this is the person that we're trying to be molded into. We're trying to be molded into a person who loved perfectly, who served others perfectly, who spoke with an authority that was perfect. They were, Jesus was never in a social situation where he went back with the disciples and he was like, I don't know about that. Like, <laughs> we want to be molded into a person who had a perfect person, a perfect purpose. So perfectly, and he followed it so perfectly that he went and he died on a cross. That's what we want our community groups to be, to be a group of people who are just trying to be molded into it as the Spirit leads us so we can find ourselves being known, just like Jesus is known by his Father, perfectly, so that we can move and we can go into this life being fully known, recognizing that we're known with a group of people who know that they're known. How many times can I say known? And it drive purpose because of that perfect relationship. That's why we have community groups. So I, I thought, uh, <laughs> you just did the mic job. I um, so Jay, I thought, and I'm playing devil's advocate here, obviously, which I'm really good at. Um, I thought community groups were just so I could make friends. Yes. That definitely, I mean, that's definitely a part of it. Like, I don't want community groups to be this somber place where people are like, let us now join in being molded into the joyless Jesus Christ. That's not what it is. <laughs> we want you to be with your friends. We want this to be a place where actually you might find relationships and depth of relationships that you would maybe call them like some of your best friends. But community groups are actually built on more than a concept of friendship. It's based in our belief that when we accept Jesus into our lives, that we actually are adopted into a family, a heavenly family. 
and we are all brothers and sisters in that family. There's a difference in how we approach relationships when we think of them as friendships versus as family. And so, yes, and you will find friendship, but you will also find something deeper in that. And if our mission as a church is centering lives on Jesus Christ, then the purpose of our life, the purpose of our groups, too, is to center lives on Jesus Christ. That's why we're coming together. Um, friendship is a part of that, um, but certainly not the, the end game. So uh, some of you actually know how to text, and I know this, you know, maybe you've never done this before, but uh, so I have one here, Jay, and it says, hello, is this thing on? And the next one doesn't look like it. And the next one says, how big or small should a group be? Yeah, that's a great question. We want to keep our community groups roughly at about 12 people in here. And some of your groups maybe have been bigger than that. Maybe some of them have been smaller than that. We want that because when we get past that 12th person mark, it means that it's easy to hide. It's easy to kind of be there, be a part of the scene, um, and get lost. And that's not intentional at all. It's just, that's just kind of how it happens. So 12 people is where we're aiming for. Okay, so kind of putting two questions together here. Who are uh, community groups for? And then another question that just came in is, are they aimed or designed to specific, like, groups, like men or um, young families or things like that? Yeah, so um, right now, that's a really good question. I'm... We're trying to figure that out. Right now, it's based on kind of geography and time, which may or may not work for you. There is no group that is just for the ones with kids. And for some of you, that's a bummer because you're like, tell me which one that is so I know not to go to that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> it just is that, honestly, we're, I, you know, we've only been doing that. I've only been in this role for a few months. I'm trying to listen and hear what's best. But truly, we want diversity in our groups. We want people with kids because empty nesters, you are actually spiritual grandparents. And as a parent of two young children, I desperately need you in my life. Um, young people, we desperately need spiritual grandparents. We need spiritual uncles and aunts. And again, going back to if we just base community groups on, I'm going to find my best friend, then we miss out on the opportunity to have something happen to us, which is encouragement, but also kind of someone rebuking you, someone looking into your life and being like, hey, this seems like a struggle. Can I walk with you in that? Can, can I join you in that struggle? Just good, good friends do that. But I think we're honest in the room. I don't know how many of us have those people, and that's what we want in our community groups. Uh, Jay and I were talking a little bit this week about the difference between friendship and being brothers and sisters. And really the, the, the word that the New Testament uses most often is that we're brothers and sisters. And um, how many of you know that can sometimes be difficult? <laughs> you know, you, you didn't really get to pick your brother or sister. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's not easy. Um, but nevertheless, you are, you are brought together because of a, of a common relationship. And for us, that common relationship comes through Jesus. And so we have the, the greatest blood brother kinship um, that can happen. So let me move to some of these others. Jay, I mean, let's, and you guys are doing, I mean, a very good job here. This is a very tech, I didn't know exactly how this would work. But um, so Jay, as you look at this um, group out here, I mean, they all are such good looking people and they just seem to have life together and all that stuff. Um, but some of these people um, are quite busy. 
and um, they've just got a lot. They've got too much maybe going on in life and not room for another thing. So I'm busy. Um, why should I do this? Yeah. Um, I could feel the collective room seeing Ross go like like this for me with my bat, like where I'm <laughs> supposed to like tee off on people. Um, and I don't I don't want to do that. Um, yes, I I fully recognize. I grew up in Frisco. I've seen uh, Frisco change uh, in the last jeez, however many years. And uh, the thing that's really interesting is that you're seeing the ability to do um, just explode. And then we have the ability to do things at a level of excellence. Uh, when Before when we had our, our house in Frisco, there's a performance, uh, it's called FIT, and it's specifically designed for children uh, to get better at sports. And it is like high-end, like hardcore and it's like, when I moved here in 1999, the idea of like something like that existing was just insane. Um, busyness creates itself over and over again. And, you know, that's why I brought it up at the very beginning. Uh, that desire that we have for change, that desire that we have for being known, and kind of the complement to busyness is that busyness creates a lot of noise. It creates a lot of like, internal crunching of numbers and thinking things through and task lists and staying organized and making sure. And we find ourselves probably at every waking moment having an opportunity to go through that shopping list of endless need. And really your busyness, the wrestle that we've got to find in that is a place of peace. A place of being able to go before the Father and listening and being able to lift up the things that are really going on in our lives. So yeah, you're busy. I'm busy too. Um, I'm gonna get busier. You know, those little kids don't stay two and one, unfortunately. Um, but I need to carve out space in my life to be quiet and to be with people who can be quiet with me. That's my hope for community groups for you. It would be a space of peace. So related to that, Jay, here's one. Um, what do you think are the busyness? We just had that question. But what do you think are the other biggest obstacles to building true community today, um, particularly where we live? You know, honestly, I would say that this uh, area is built on uh, Mount Everest-level expectations. Um, there is such, and I, I use a mountain as like that imagery because you, there's no ignoring Mount Everest when you're around it. <laughs> you see it. You can't even see the summit because there are clouds blocking it, I assume. I've never been there. Um, but we build up these just gigantic expectations of what every single thing needs to be. And I think that that holds us back. And, you know, we could say, like, ah, oh, man, Ross, we just need to be more vulnerable. Oh, man, we need to just pray more, which is absolutely true. But I think we've got to look internally and see what are those Mount everest size expectations that we have for everything, for people, for church, for groups, and say, is that realistic? Or is there something more simple? You know, I'm... I love this question because it's like we feel the impact. It's so heavy on us. It hurts us. It, 
we feel isolated. We know that pain, and we know that desire to be known and all those things, and it's great, and it feels so big. And then I'm standing, or I'm awkwardly crouching up here <laughs> saying the solution is actually being with people. And I think it's so unsatisfying in some ways because I know the problem it hurts and you're just telling me spending time together is like the key to breaking down that mountain of expectations and yeah because that group of people is not a group of people that are perfect it's a group of people formed in the image of Jesus as it's being led by the Holy Spirit okay let me let me go through a couple of real well uh, more kind of logistical questions and then we'll come back to uh some of the others, but there's been a couple of questions about child care. Um, is there child care? How do I find a group that has child care? And, um, and then another question, it's really hard to do this with kids in the same house. <laughs> so just that kind of whole web of questions around how do we do this as families and make it productive or, you know, fruitful conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Every group right now, we have six groups. We're looking to launch a few more in the future. But right now, our groups kind of self-medicate. Um, we kind of... <laughs> we kind what of, kind of group is this? <laughs> we, each group just is kind of figuring out the rhythms that work um, best. My group is one that has some young families in it. And what we decided was it made the most sense for us because we meet every week that we would pool money and that we would hire a babysitter. And that's what we do. The babysitter is upstairs or in a different location with the kids, and we get a chance to really engage and talk. Some groups try to weave uh, kids in. We're going to put a lot more intention and focus on how we include children into the community group experience because um, I'm not satisfied with just pushing them off to the side. The kids need to be actively seeing us model what it looks like to come before people that we consider brothers and sisters, and yet we might only see once or maybe twice a week. Those kids benefit so deeply. So I'm working on some equipping ideas. Um, there's a lot of thought that we can put into it, but honestly, I'm group leaders know this already, but I'm the person that you wanna talk to to help you problem solve that. So there's no rule of law about how kids are or are not involved right now. The, leaders are responsible for that. And someone with the phone number 538-3356 just piped in and said, love that idea, Jay. Involve the kids more. Thumbs up. I don't know that phone number. Was that? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Uh, another. Uh, I was like, wait, that's not Carolina's number. No, another, <laughs> another question, a uh, quick one. Do you have to be a member, an official member of the church no. to join a community? No. Okay. No. Okay. Good. Nor yeah. do you have to be a Christian. Can I be cheesy for a second? And uh, nor do you have to be perfect. <laughs> the groan. I fed off of your groan. It was great. <laughs> okay, do the groups study a specific topic, or do all the groups study the same topic at once? So right now, everybody's kind of deciding the group leaders have been kind of leading their groups through various things. We have Right Now Media, which is a great resource for our leaders, have videos of, from leaders as diverse as Francis Chan uh, to Matt Chandler. Some groups are doing that. Some groups are going through books of the Bible. My group, we're going through the book of Colossians. 
um, at roughly the speed of a snail who's been injected with a tranquilizer gun. Yeah, <laughs> we are going slow. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to start building in rhythms uh, to our community groups. We want to have three objectives hit. We want um, a season of the whole church going through something, praying through something, thinking about something. That'll probably take place in the like in January, February of a new year. And then we'll have one that's being led purely by how the group leaders are feeling that their group, what the Holy Spirit's telling them their group needs. And then the third would be something that maybe I'm working with them to get across, maybe something a little bit more structured. Okay, what keeps these groups from being, quote, cliquish? You. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, look, it's... It's those people that are in the groups. I mean, it, it is. <laughs> I, I get it. You know, a lot of us are so busy. You know, we have these relationships. And if your community group's not meeting every week, then maybe you're only seeing your community group members twice, three times a month um, outside of church. And then you're seeing them every Sunday. And so if <laughs> it's kind of like this weird, like, catch-22 build relationships, consider them family, don't be a click. It just doesn't work. And I think that the heart behind that question is, you know, how do we stay uh, both inwardly and outwardly focused? How do we make sure that we're taking care of those people that we find ourselves in a deep intentional community with that is also on the lookout for others that may be able to come in or be connected to a group? Because we do want to keep those group sizes small but really honestly it's up to us i'm kind of shy and introverted um does god really expect me to kind of get this close with other people <laughs> i'm ad-libbing <laughs> um so I, I have this writer that i'm obsessed with he's a professor at the university of baylor in their humanities program um, I have embarrassingly emailed him a few times, but like on the most simple stuff of like, hey, I noticed your website's down. And I'll send a reply and I'll be like, Carolina, he answered me. And his response is like, oh, it's up now. And I'm just like, he emailed me back. Um, <laughs> I love this guy. And he's a, uh, he is a self-professed introvert. He is like very, very, very introverted. And he said this, he said, uh, lots of extroverts think that in being an introvert is a disease meant to be cured by extroverts. <laughs> and uh, I get it, but it hurt. Um, <laughs> here's what I would say. Um, speaking as the extrovert of the room, Jason will pop in in a second, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> um, being an extrovert, being an introvert, uh, the 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 fear of connecting with people, being in an intimate relationship, an intentional one, um, that is not um, something that is blockaded by your personality type. It can hurt it, um, but it's not the sole thing. What I would encourage those introverts in the room that are kind of struggling with this is to prayerfully go before and say, is it my discomfort at being in a group of people or is it something else? I, I don't know. What I have been working with group leaders on, though, is pouring into people to see them as their pastoral care. 
And I would challenge the extroverts in this room, too, that your constant brand new, everybody's an opportunity to talk to each other, like, eventually you're just staying at one level. What's keeping you from going into a deeper level? Yeah. See, extroverts have their, their issues, too. Um, yeah, we'll tell you about them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I would, I'd like to interject here, and, and I'll speak as one who, believe it or not, is an introvert. Um, and I, the answer is not that everyone be in a community group, um, but the true, I think the biblical answer is that every person be connected. And an extrovert might want a dozen connections, and an introvert might be content with one or two really deep connections. Um, but the point is not the, the breadth of relationships you have, but every person, introverted or extroverted, needs a depth of vulnerability and friendship and, and brotherhood, sisterhood um, that's genuine. And so uh, it's not are you in a community group, it's, it's are you connected? And is there someone that knows your junk, knows when you're struggling? Um, and, and I think my experience has been in groups that sometimes the best moments of the group don't actually happen in the group. Um, they happen after the group or, hey, let's go grab coffee together in the one-on-one -on -one or the, the groups of three because that group um, kind of facilitates, it nurtures the depth of relationship one-on-one -on -one, where an introvert can be more open and honest, if that makes sense. Is that, did I write no, that? No, absolutely. No, okay. I think that's great. Um, here's a good question, I think. Um, are we diving into the word or learning about each other's lives or both? Yeah, absolutely, it's both. Um, you know, to add on to what Ross was just mentioning about being known in, you know, in different functions, different ways. Um, if we really believe that we are being formed constantly by things of the world, you know, if we really, lately my, my heart has been recognizing that the soul is malleable, it's being molded constantly, we're, we're constantly being influenced by things. And sometimes we're aware of those things and sometimes we're not. And so community groups, the foundational level, are to help mold us into or be a part of the molding process of growing in Christ-likeness. You cannot grow in Christ-likeness without scripture. It's just you can't understand that intimacy of a relationship without reading how God announced himself and is talking to you. Similarly, you cannot grow in your relationship with God and with others if you're not worshiping together, if you're not serving together. It's a holistic approach. So, yes, you're doing that. What you find is that your desire for knowing other people and for knowing God's word and for worshiping together and for serving together actually accomplishes all the purposes that we understandably but foolishly segment. Uh, we've got a, just a couple more minutes here. Um, I'm trying to decide which direction to go here. Um, I think this one, see, this one is probably helpful for clarification. I'm in ABF. Uh, I'm in a men's group. Should I, why should I join a community group as well? Or should I? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, ABF is our adult Bible fellowship. It meets on Sundays at 9 o'clock. It's a, um, a study group, a class. So I, I think there are a lot of people in this room that feel that similar dilemma. Um, 
ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, the primary purpose of that class is to grow deep and to go deep in scripture and in theology. That it, those are the primary aims. So it would be really strange if you showed up for ABF over a series of weeks and it's like, actually, we're not going to do that. We're going to just, you know, kind of get to know one another and build relationships. The primary focus of that class is to grow in scripture and theology. Likewise, the men's Bible study or the women's Bible study, the primary focus of that, like how we would say, like, did it, was it successful that night or was it not successful that night? Like just on its basic element is did the word of God get opened up and get studied and talked about? Like those are the ways that we're able to differentiate between those things. Um, and you can find community within that. I think it's a natural thing that happens from that. And this isn't the swing of the, you know, of the bat where it's like, and so community groups does that better. It's just that community groups are not built on study. They're built in growing in Christ-likeness. And so a part of community groups is holding ourselves accountable to the people that we're a part of, that we're intentionally pouring ourselves into. And so, for example, you may miss a couple of weeks of ABF because of something. And that ABF teacher, you know, I, Jason is just right there. Like, he teaches ABF, and he's a thoughtful guy. He's concerned about people. He loves people. And he may remember to shoot you a text and just be like, hey, how's everything going? You know, I've missed you. And I bet he does because he's a really great guy. But we don't really place that expectation on Jason to do ABF that way. We want him to to lead and to go deep and to teach. With community groups, we are putting it on our community group leaders so that they can put it on those that are in the community group to be bound together, to be looking for one another. Because we have to grow in relationship with each other to continue to grow in Christ-likeness. Okay, um, quick, um, quick kind of logistical question here. How do we get involved, Jay? How do we... Um, sign up? How do we visit? What's, what's the process? Yeah, so um, there are two ways right now that you can do that. The first is you can go on our website and you can go to, um, I think it's on Get Connected, and then you'll find community groups. And on that page, there will be a spot where you can see where the groups are at, you know, what time they meet, and how you can click on links and it'll send it out to everybody. The second opportunity that you can get involved is by immediately after service talking to me. And we've had some lighting issues since 8 o'clock this morning, and so don't be alarmed. Uh, it just happened again. They're going to come back <laughs> on in a second. Um. Man, I have never, ever wanted, like, the... The organ from Phantom of the Opera to like come <laughs> up right there. I don't know why it just felt like dun, 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 dun. like that just felt appropriate. I think that was Rick back there saying, "Wrap it up." <laughs> <laughs> um, you can come and find me. Come and talk to me outside. I'm going to be over by those high tables like these, um, and I want to talk to you. I want to get you connected because the honest truth is we're still figuring out the best way to do that. And some of our groups are full, but they're not showing on the website. Just so, come and talk to me. So Katrina just texted me and said that the sign-up sheet is actually at the Connection Center, Jay. So you can be at the Connection Center right after church if you want uh, more information. That would be wonderful. Thank you, Katrina. Okay. Um, 
And now she's gone. And now, <laughs> and now it's really time to end this. So, Jay, just uh, to conclude, um, what kind of final thoughts, last thing you think um, we need to hear about this um, in terms of community group involvement or for Life Flow Church? It's really awkward right now, but... Here's what, I, here's what I would like to say. What I would like to say is um, this is not something that we desire for you to, to block out on your calendar to have more pixels on your, ca your calendar, to have more things that you're having to constantly think about and to work through and to arrange and to schedule. Our heart, our desire for community groups, my heart, my desire, I know your community group leader's desire, is to really take you to the most vulnerable place in a season of other people and going before our Heavenly Father, into knowing him, to grow more into his son who is perfect. That's what, we, that's what I want you to Will you uh, tell Jay thank you? <laughs> We're going to celebrate at the table this morning. Let me uh, pray for us as, as Dan comes forward. Father God, we are grateful that uh, you have brought us into your family and uh, that we can follow you as brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray for any here this morning who do not yet know you, that they would put their trust in Jesus and become part of the family. And Lord, I just pray again for our church that we would have an ever-deepening community here um, that would be an example to the world of unity within diversity, uh, that would be an example to the world of sacrificial love. It's in the beautiful name of Jesus we pray. I'm going to ask the folks who are helping with communion to come down. And I want to seize on one thing that, wow. I want to seize on one thing that Jay said because it sounds so simple. Um, if I had been God, the way in which I would remember him or, ha or, or have myself be uh, remembered would be, Loud, um, crashing, an incredible demonstration of power. But just like Jay had said, that solutions oftentimes are very simple, even to complex problems. But some of the, our greatest difficulties, if we would just know one another and love one another deeply the way we are called in Jesus to do that, that we discover that it's not just my set of shoulders that carry a burden, but two sets of shoulders. Or four sets of shoulders. That's the picture of the church. It's not this grandiose flashbang. And likewise, when Jesus calls us to remember him, it's not this grandiose flashbang. 
It's a bloody cross. That in our modern, sophisticated, busy, busy lives, we forget sometimes the simplest things. Thankfully, Jesus knew that. And so he gave us this table to remember, to constantly come back to what is of primary importance, that God is real, that God is creator, that God brings to life what was once dead. us so much that he would choose his son to bear the burdens of the world, the sin of the world, to show his love for us and to remember it simply with his body and with symbolically his blood. And so when the Apostle Paul said that we are to gather and do this together, we are to remember what we are to remember God's deep and abiding love for us and that we are to come together in community at this table, communion, to renew our commitment to remember our God and to be one with one another. So would you pray with me, please, as we remember the great God who died for us. Lord God of heaven, we love you. We're grateful for you. We thank you, Lord, that you, that you didn't just create the world and watch it unwind, but that you chose from the beginning of time to save us, to make us a people of your very own, to love us. And God, that your call for us by your spirit in us when we receive Jesus is to go and love others and to share that love with others. And we thank you that you have given us this reminder, this refresher of this bread that represents your body and this cup that represents your blood, that we will remember Jesus until he comes again. And Lord Jesus, we love you. Come and be powerfully present in us. Holy Spirit, come. And as we receive these, that we receive Jesus all over again and be made new. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So come, not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Come, not because any goodness of your own gives you a right to come, but because you need mercy and help. Come, taste and see that the Lord is good.